This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, being brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And we're going to kick things off with Jay Morrison from The Athletic. He covers the Bengals like a glove on Twitter at jmorrisonath. And, Jay, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. Welcome back to the show. And what is the vibe around the team? They haven't been to the playoffs in a few years, similar to the Raiders. Uh, Are they a little bit edgy? Are they a little excited about this game coming up on Saturday to kick off these playoffs? Uh, excited, yes. Edgy, I would say no. They, to a man, they have all said that they they are doing everything they can to to kind of keep this a normal week, uh, not trying to put too much emphasis on it. There's, it's natural that there's a little bit more intensity, a little less joking around in the meeting rooms, that type of thing. But um, they're just trying to kind of keep it business as usual, which. Everyone knows it's not, and especially for a, a young team that has not been there, um, it, it is a little surprising. We'll, we'll see if they're able to kind of keep that composure once the game starts. But for now, in terms of preparation, they're talking a good game. They're, they're, they're saying everything they should, that this is, this, they're preparing like it's just any other game. How much conversation is there about the Bo Jackson curse? It's been 31 years since the Bengals won a playoff game. That was Bo Jackson's final game. Everyone in Raider Nation knows it really well. How much is that conversation going on? Uh, outside of the team, a lot. Um, inside the walls of Paul Brown Stadium, not at all. A lot of these guys you know, are, are so far removed from even the, the five straight first-round playoff losses in 2011-15. to 15. There's only three guys on the on the team that played in any of those and two of them were the punter and the long snapper. <laughs> um, it's, it's a young team. They, 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 they respect history, but they're, they're not burdened by it. They don't feel the weight of it. The most of the angst is in the fan base because they've seen this before. They've, they've seen games where it looked like this is the one, this is the one when the drought ends. This is the one when the Boba Jackson curse is, broken in 2013 they had played the the chargers in december and beat them pretty soundly in san diego and then they had the chargers coming into cincinnati and the chargers whipped them um and, and there, there have been other years too they had the, the steelers in 2015 even though they didn't have any doubt in that year they were a favorite to win that game and, and that one fell apart at the end which i think a lot of people remember with the spectacular meltdown with the Montez perfect and adam Patton and jones penalties it's just Bengal fans are always waiting for that other shoe to drop, and I, I think the curse is in the back of a lot of their minds. Well, one more question about just kind of the outside noise or things that will be going on that has nothing to do with the game, but I know Icky Woods is going to be the, the ruler of the jungle. He's going to do that <laughs> ceremony. What exactly is the ruler of the jungle ceremony? It, it's one of the new things they brought out this year to try to – to bring some more life and atmosphere to what has really been a pretty sterile environment for Bengals games. It's a gray concrete building. It, there, there was never any mention. You, if you walked into that building and didn't see teams on the field, you, you would never know whose stadium you were in. And they just 
this year they created a runner, put four in, inaugural members in that, and then they created created this ruler of the jungle thing before the game. They have a big throne up in the in the one corner of the on the concourse above the end zone, and they bring in someone um, to lead the the crowd in the Hootay chant uh, mm. before the game, and it's. I don't know. It, it's more lively after a touchdown when they break into that two-day chain. I think everybody's still kind of settling into the game, and it, it might be different this time being the playoff game and being icky. I think there'll be a lot of excitement for it, but it's it's still it's new and it's still catching on. <laughs> nice, I like it. Talking with Jay Morrison right now from the Athletic here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Demond's got a question for you. Yeah, going speaking to that, Joe Mixon had the quote of everybody, you know, they used to like think when they saw the Bengals on the schedule, oh, it was a stat week. Now they know how we coming. Does that speak to what you just said about how this this ruler of the jungle and Joe Mixon <laughs> with his quote that this team is tired of being overlooked and how they're tired of looking like the ugly stepchild in the NFL? Yeah, because Joe Mixon's one of the guys he wasn't here for the playoffs futility, but mm-hmm. he's been here through the really lean years and he knows what it was like. You you look at the Joe Burrows and, and Jamar, Jamar Chase has never had a losing season here. And, and Burrow had, last year was not a good year. He had the injury, but it was his rookie year. The, the guys that have been here a little longer, like Tyler Boyd, like Joe Mixon, know losing. They've they felt it for, for four, five years, six years in some cases. And it is. It's, they have been kind of a, a laughing stock and especially Zach's first year when they went 2-14. and 14. They, they lived through those years, and it's totally flipped this year. This is a, a legitimate team, a legitimate offense, and they're, they're not anybody's homecoming game anymore. Right. No, they're not. They're not. And um, they went to Allegiant Stadium, you know, and they, they got a W under their belt, you know, and it was a close game until the end, and it just seemed like the, the Bengals caught a lot of fire and, and uh, you know, put the, put the nail in the coffin for the silver and black. So, Jay, you were here in Las Vegas. Uh, how has the team uh, evolved and even improved since that game against the Raiders uh, a few months back? Yeah, uh, completely different than what they were in that game. They, they they went into that game knowing that was a pivot point. They had lost two in a row, and then they had their bye. And there was a feeling that this season could really spiral if they didn't get that win. And their offensive line isn't great. And they they respect the heck out of the, the Raiders' edge rushers, and, and they knew they would be putting Burrow, Burrow, Joe Burrow in peril if they dropped him back. So they just they ran the ball. They, they really rode Joe Mixon in that game more than they have in any other game. And it wasn't working out early, and they just stayed with it. And they said eventually the dam's going to break, and it did. We saw Joe mm-hmm. break some long ones at the end, and the, that that was not a 32-13 game. You guys were there too, right? You, you know, it was a very close game until the end. Well, you you kind of saw that they got things going, and you kind of saw them get conservative in overtime against the 49ers. They make this great comeback. They get down on the edge of the red zone. And Joe Burrow at the time led the league in interceptions, and, and Zach kind of turtled up and didn't let Joe attack in the red zone. He ran Joe Mixon on first and second down. It went nowhere. And then Burrow gets sacked on third down. They kick a field goal. San Francisco goes down and gets the touchdown and wins the walk off in overtime. Since that point, it's been let's let Joe Burrow cook. He he, he had that amazing performance in the fourth quarter to get them to overtime, and they they've just realized that as good as Joe Mixon is, putting the ball in Joe Burrow's hands and letting him carry this team is how they're going to win games and advance in the playoffs. And I, I, even though it's going to be cold, 
And even though Joe Mixon is a really good running back, I, I think we're going to see Joe Burrow throw it around quite a bit on Saturday. Now, I wanted to ask you about that because I expect him to throw it around a, a lot as well. Uh, and that offensive line is a little shaky and a little leaky. Uh, is that going to be one of the biggest keys, in your opinion, is, is got to protect Joe Burrow? If not, uh, if they don't protect him, it could be a long day. But if they do, it could be a real long day for the Raiders. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the, the one thing is that is the, the offensive line has been, um, I mean, Joe Burrow got sacked 51 times this year, franchise record. Um, they gave up 55 sacks overall because Burrow didn't play last week. That's a franchise record. But, but Burrow's, he, maybe one of his best traits is his pocket presence and his, his not just his mobility, but feeling things to be able to slide and, and manipulate the pocket and in, in, avoiding free runners. And I know that won't be as big of a deal on Saturday because the Raiders don't blitz a lot, mm-hmm. but they, they, they've found ways to kind of mitigate the pressure that the offensive line allows. And they will, they'll go, they'll line up and empty more than you would think a team with a bad offensive line <laughs> that would should. Uh, that's because Burrow is so good at just reading and reacting very quickly. And then if the pressure does come of escaping it. So if you're, they've given up, multiple sacks in 10 straight games and they're still on this run. So I I expect the Raiders to get home a few times. If you start getting up in the five, six, seven range, then maybe it's a different story. Right. No, that man, if you get five, six, seven sacks, man, it could be a very long day. Again, we're talking with Jay Morrison from the athletic here on Raider nation radio, nine twenty. Damon, what'd you have for him? Yeah, you were just speaking of Joe Burrows, his pocket presence, and he hasn't thrown a he hasn't thrown an interception in four straight games. Do you think that he's in the rhythm? Because we've been talking earlier in the show about how I don't believe in momentum. <laughs> but do you think that Joe Burrow has some momentum going, for, for lack of a better term? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that ties his career high. He, he Four in a row, as I mentioned earlier, he led the league in interceptions um, at, the, at the time that they played the Raiders out there. And he has gotten just so much better uh, in terms of not forcing the ball and just kind of feeling the, the, the pressure. And, and it's not just the interceptions. He's had some, some sack fumbles, and they haven't had any of that. They Four straight games now without a turnover, that ties a franchise record. Um, if, if they can get into the, the playoffs without turning the ball over, they've got a great chance. And it's you know, not all the interceptions were on Burrow. A lot of, you know, there was balls bouncing off of the receiver's hands. It was him getting hit as he was throwing and the ball fluttering. There were any number of reasons for the interceptions, but that has been a huge key in eliminating those and going four straight games without one. Jay, I think for the Raiders to have a chance in this game, they really got to establish the run game. Josh Jacobs has been playing really well the last quarter of the season. Uh, how are the Bengals at slowing down the run, and do you think that that could be an effective way for the, the Raiders' offense to get going against Cincinnati? Well, if they do, they'll be in great shape. The Bengals are really good against the run. They have a number okay. five run defense in the league this year. They they went out and signed D.J. Reader last year. He only got five games, and he had a season-ending injury. He's been terrific this year in the middle of that line. And then they, they got Larry Joby from Cleveland this offseason as a three technique to rush the passer, but he's been terrific against the run. And, and people always look at the edge rushers, Trey Hendrickson and his 14 sacks and Sam Hubbard. They... they they, they overlook how good those guys are at setting the edge and defending the run. That's, that's been one of the keys to this defense because they, they have given up numbers in the past game, but the teams, for the most part, have had a hard time running on the Bengals. And I, it's not, sometimes that can be a deceptive stat because it, it's just 
a volume stat, and if, if teams are having a lot of success throwing or if they get behind a lot and they have to throw a lot, that can make your run defense look better than it is. But, but that's not been the case. The Bengals have had a couple games where they've kind of walked the victories, but most of them have been close, tight games, and, and the, the opposing team is still trying to run the ball. And they've, if Josh Jacobs gets loose, then it could really open up that, that whole entire Raiders offense. So, Jay, let me ask you, for the Raiders to have success against the Bengals' defense, what do they need to do? Where, where should they concentrate? Well, I think Darren Waller could be a very big weapon. This team, for years, has struggled against tight ends. And if you go back and look at the, either watch the game or look at the box score from that Seattle game, George Kittle, or not Seattle, San Francisco, George Kittle just ate him alive. And they, they did a decent job against Waller in the first game, and they did a great job against Kelsey a couple of weeks ago. But I, I think working the middle of the field with Waller and then with Renfro coming out of the slot, they, they can really kind of loosen up that run defense and then hit them with some Jacobs runs. I don't think you're going to – you're not going to probably see the Raiders hit deep balls on them because they, they kind of – they play that way and, and try to limit the explosives. But they are susceptible over the middle, and they've not been an awful tackling team, but they've not been great either. And you, you get one of those guys in space and break a tackle, and it can turn into an explosive play quickly. Yeah, Jay, speaking of that, you said that the Raiders aren't going to be able to throw deep against the Bengals. But the Bengals, they are so good at beating teams deep with that three-headed receiving core that they have. So do you think that the Bengals, the Bengals receiving core would fare well against this cover three scheme? Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, uh, it's interesting. T. Higgins showed up on the injury report today with a foot, and he was he was fine in the portion open to the media, but something must have happened after that. He was listed as limited. We'll, we'll find out more on that. But teams have, teams have done pretty much everything they can to try to stop Jamar Chase, and either it fails mm-hmm. or if it works, then the other guys get loose. And it, that's what makes T such a, an important piece here because he's really gotten good and, and developed this rapport with Joe Burrow in terms of high-pointing balls and, and winning those jump balls, even when he's double-covered. And if, if he's not full strength, that, that could really hamstring the, the, the Bengals' offense. But we, I, don't, I, don't recall, I don't think Jamar Chase got loose I think they, they might have tried one deep shot in mm-hmm. that Raiders game. But that's, that's his strength. Is he's As great as he is on those go balls, he, he's one of those ones, too, that he's like a running back with the ball in his hands once he catches it. And he, a number of his long, and you, you guys probably saw it in that Chiefs game, a lot of his long touchdowns have been short passes that have turned into long ones. Right. The first one where they were about to get blown out of the building, he caught a, just a short little out route and outraced the entire Chiefs defense to the end zone for a 70-some-yard touchdown. So I don't know if they're going to hit the Raiders over the top, but it's, the potential is always there for explosives with this offense. Basically, you got to be able to uh, tackle in space. <laughs> you know, you got exactly, to tackle yeah. in space, and he is very good at eluding those those open field tackles. Uh, before we wrap this up, Jay, I did want to ask you, I want to kind of take it all full circle. Uh, you mentioned Zach Taylor being 2-14 and 14 when he first got this thing started. Now here he is in the playoffs. How have you seen him develop as a head coach? Yeah, he's been he's, – really gotten good at kind of managing the entire team and and building his vision. You know, when he came in, there was still a lot of the, the older Marvin Lewis veterans, and they weren't maybe buying in to, to what Zach was selling. He's, he's all about 
practicing as hard as possible to, to make it as much like a game as possible. And they were used to kind of taking it easy on Wednesdays. And he, it, it took him a while to kind of turn that roster over. And he's, he's, the other, the other thing I've seen him grow is he, he was never a my way or the highway kind of guy, but, but he had a vision and, and he stuck to it. And this year we've seen him bend a little bit. I mentioned how they, they got conservative in the San Francisco game and, and kind of said, okay, we're going to change. We're just going to give it to Burrow. And he, he was very open about that. He said he lost sleep that night over that decision. And so he's, he's willing to, to accept his mistakes and correct them as opposed to just hammering it home and saying, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to make it work. It wasn't just a 2-14. and 14, It was 6-25-1 and one through two seasons. There right. were questions about whether he would have a third season and now he's in the conversation for coach of the year. <laughs> boom. There he goes. Just like that. A little bit of uh, patience, a little consistency and boom. Uh, there you go. And the Cincinnati Bengals are looking really good. Well, Jay, uh, I know you got a lot of stuff coming out on the athletic. I know you're part of podcasts and everything. What do you have dropping that uh, Raider fans could be on the lookout for that? Give them a little bit more insight on the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, we have a piece up already where we talked to a bunch of former players and coaches about the Bo Jackson curse. Um, I'm working on a story right now that breaking down every one of those 51 sacks that the Bengals have given up this year. <laughs> nice. Um, and, and we will have another podcast coming out uh, t- tomorrow morning. And we did actually on at, the athletic has a daily podcast called the lead. And it's kind of the big story of the day. And we recorded that today. It's coming out tomorrow morning. And it's also on the curse of Bo Jackson, because I think a lot of people outside of the Raiders and Bengals fan bases aren't quite, familiar with the curse of Bo Jackson. No, no, they're not. I was on a San Antonio radio station earlier today, and I said that, and they, I mean, they almost, it, like, went dead air. They were they almost didn't have anything to say. They're like, whoa, that's a hell of a nugget. And I was like, I thought everybody knew that, but I guess not. So, uh, good stuff, Jay. Uh, I enjoy your work as always. It was great catching up with you when you were here in Vegas. I was going to make the trip to Cincinnati, but uh, I decided to stay back. Got some stuff that we're going to do here in town. So, uh, I'll let you keep hold to yourself, but uh, next time you come to Vegas, we'll catch up again. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, brother. There he goes. Jay Morrison. Good dude right there uh, from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at jmorrisonath. And uh, we went up in the helicopter ride together uh, when he was here last time for the uh, the Bengals game. Got to go to the Grand Canyon, hang out with him. And you want to talk about a good dude right there. That is a good dude. So uh, shout out to Jay Morrison. Appreciate his time. 319 is the time. We'll come back. I uh, got a ton of text messages on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Looking for the Raiders will win on Saturday because, and you fill in the blanks, and then sport myths that you actually believe are true. Holla at your boy. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. S-Y-Q. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 3.30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, covering UNLV like a glove. She'll join the show to talk about the big victory that UNLV had over New Mexico. First question I'll ask her, is that a product of UNLV being really good or was that a product of New Mexico being really bad? Not because I think that it was UNLV faced a really bad team. I just want to know. Sound like a question I hate it would ask. No, why? You beat them by 30. It wasn't like it was just a 10-point win or something. Like, I mean, that's a 30-point victory. 
That's like what I would do to you on the court, like beat you by 30, and that's a product of you being really bad, not uh, me being really good. But would you be like, if some, so if somebody I said, I would beat like, you by 30, and we're only playing to 21. So if somebody was just like, yeah, Q, I just think he sucks, you wouldn't be like, nah, I got skills? No, I would say you're right. He sucks. I'm old. You wouldn't even try to take credit for your skills. That's how I, I wouldn't you. have to. That's, how I know, that's why I don't believe you. No, I w- you already know. I mean, I got I got natural ability, like but I I'm said, out of man, shape. That sounds like a I'm question old. a hater would ask. No, no, no. Y'all win by 30. Something must be wrong. I'll win by 30 over you. And like I said, we'll only play to 21. That's how bad I'll beat you. 702-365-9200, Raider Nation listener line. Let's go out to our homeboy. Shields up in Connecticut. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q, how you doing, man? Blessed, man. How you doing? Good, good. They're going to win because of um, because of the trenches. I know your guest caller pretty much went through with this, but, I mean, we just faced the Chargers and Colts. And if you look at the AFC Pro Bowl roster, that offensive line is comprised of Colts and Chargers. So we've already beat the best of the best. And I think our defensive line has nothing to fear. Uh, it's pretty much a sieve. If Burrow's going to try to go deep, he needs time. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get that time with Mad Max and Ngakwe and that interior. Um, and they're going to shore up uh, Mixon. Uh, he did have some yards late in the game. They got some momentum. But I think Perryman will shut that down. Um, and Burrow and, and Burrow's not the athlete that, that, uh, that uh, uh, Hebert is. Right. The Chargers charge quarterback. Gotcha. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, he's, a, uh, he's a better thrower. I think he's a better runner. Burrow does have good instincts, but, you know, let's slide. How about a little Divine Diablo as a spy on him? Mm. I like so, it. Yeah, and, and and if you look at the weather conditions, if it's sloppy, um, route running is going to be tough, and, um, and it's just going to be one in the trenches, and I think I think we're going to dominate. Okay. Now, the, the sports, i got to push back on demand over there about the momentum. Can I do that for <laughs> Yeah, go on with it. All right, man. Let me. <laughs> all right. I, all right. Let me just talk. 1980. There was a wild card team, and they took it all the way from the wild card to one of the Super Bowl, and they were called the Raiders. Just saying. I think that's the momentum, right? I agree. I agree. That's okay. Uncle Mo. Okay. I hope you still text my call when I call next time. <laughs> oh, he will. But um, <laughs> but uh, the Sportsmith. I mean. It, it, it's a good one. I'm looking name something. I'm just going to make it relative, man. I mean, you know, with the Raiders. Um, as far as penalties, they're saying, well, the Raiders are not targeted with penalties. There's no way possible that one football organization, one football team can lead the league in penalties or be in the top five or bottom five, whatever you want to call it, decades. I mean, talking about 20, 30 years. You're telling me that every single coach through those years couldn't teach our team discipline? I just, I just find it really odd. That's a good point. So, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I know maybe we talk about boxing or, or basketball or something like that, but I just got to make it relative, man, with the Raiders. Yeah. So that's what I got. And that was what we say, man. Shields up. Thank you for taking my call, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Great call, man. Good stuff right there. And, yeah, that's one that Raider Nation has been talking about for a long time. And I'm actually one that's kind of pushed back on that and said, hey, you know, it's not it's not just the, the Raiders that are getting called for all these penalties. It's not just because they're the Raiders. But, I mean, you got a good point. It's been decades on top of decades of penalty after penalty after penalty. That's, a, uh, you know, and, and some of it I do look at and I feel like I feel like officials are so trained to throw the flag on the Raiders that when they make a good play, they just expect that, oh, no, they had to do something wrong. 
You know what I mean? It's like I'm trying to I'm trying to say it the right way. Where it's more like, Oh, you did something good, you must have done you must have cheated to get that. Or you know what I mean? Or you couldn't have on your own. Uh I, I just kind of feel I, I, I totally understand what you mean by that. So that that's a good one. I like that. I like that sports myth. Thank you so much for that one. How about this one? From Geese Mode, sports sports myth that I do believe. Q and Demon, you look good, you feel good, you play good. How about that one, Demon? You, you believe that one? Uh, he he look, he didn't he didn't go on all. He's like, man, I'm going to go get the guests. I don't want to talk about these no more. But that's a good one. I like that. You look good, feel good, play good. Absolutely. I tried to tell Demon. I don't believe that now. Well, I know I you don't, him. and I'm, I I know why you don't. I tried to tell Demon that this morning. He walked in and he's he looked like he just came fresh out the gym. And I said, that's that's how you feeling? He's like, no, nah, I just. I just felt like uh, your thighs are popping. The thighs are <laughs> popping right now. He looked like he in looked, the short shorts. He he does have some Daisy Dukes on, and he came in here, and he he looks like he just came out the gym, and he's all motivated. And so I said, "Oh, you just came out the gym." He's like, "No, I just felt like wearing these shorts today." Wanted to show off the merchandise. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, and I told bow, him, I said, I said, "I'm gonna learn." And I'm going to the gym after. And I'm going I to told the gym him I was gonna this. learn him, man. I was gonna get him into the zone where you know he's he's always looks the part as well. He he does a good job sounding the part, but he's got to look the part too. I mean, fresh hoodie, nice shorts. All right, nice shorts, huh? I got a 12 year old that couldn't fit those shorts that you're wearing. They're so damn small. Actually, I don't have a 12 year old. But still. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a 12 year old at all. <laughs> but I'm just saying. 3.30 is the time. Let's go out to the Raider Nation uh, phone line and welcome in our next guest, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, does a fantastic job covering the running Rebels like a glove. And Paloma, thank you so much for your time. And off top, I got to ask you, is there any sports myths that you, that you believe that are out there? Like, uh, DeMond said there's no such thing as momentum, and I think that that's false. Oh, there's tons, tons. I mean, and you got all those athletes that are like, you know, following all kinds of weird things that they have to do on game days and, you know, all these fans that are diehard crazies. Um, no, I'm, I'm superstitious and I'm like, you know, you can't mess with anything. If you wear the same jacket, you know, to each game or the same shoes and stuff. Um, I believe in all that. I like it. I like it. Good stuff right there. What about momentum? You believe in momentum though, right? Yeah. Yeah, See? definitely. See, there you yeah, go, Damon. Definitely. So do you believe that momentum carried UNLV to beat New Mexico by 30 points? Or did they just happen to just, you know, everything fell into place? That's all it was. It wasn't momentum. The team was just clicking. I think these guys, no, I think these guys were just tired and, and bored of dealing with COVID-19. You know, they, they already dealt with COVID last season, playing through an entire season of COVID-19. And, a lot of the players were telling me that they were just bored in their rooms for five days quarantining. So mm-hmm. uh, the guys who hadn't had test positive, you know, they were in the gym. They were still working out. They were still practicing. Uh, UNLV just had two days to prepare for New Mexico uh, with the guys that they had. So I think when they came out last night, it was kind of like almost like the first game of the season. Like, let's go. We've right. been waiting to play. These guys have only played one game a week for, like, the past month. So uh, I know these guys were, were excited to put on a show last night, and it was fun to watch. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And, and from what I was able to see, it looked like it was a fun show. Uh, Donovan Williams had 29 points. Uh, a cast of characters of others had multiple uh, double-digit points. And uh, they just did a really good job offensively and defensively. So I asked, and I started the show when I asked Damon, I said, was that a product of UNLV kind of finding their groove and being really good? Or was that a product of New Mexico not being very good? So how good is the or are the Lobos, in your opinion? 
I mean, I think we saw UNLV shut them down last night, and they were playing without their head coach out there. Um, we found out on, on social media that the Lobos head coach was not with the team, uh, was, was you know, back at home dealing with, with COVID. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate UNLV coming out and, and coming out hungry, coming out with that fight, a 12-0 run. Honestly, you know, they should play every, every game like that. Every game should <laughs> right. be a hunger uh, Donovan Williams and, and Royce Ham Jr. was saying post game, you know, especially for a fifth year senior like Royce Ham Jr., he never knows what's going to happen when the ball's going to stop bouncing for him. So each game he's giving it his all. And I think we saw that last night, UNLV just giving it their all. And honestly, you know, they wanted to come out with that mindset and, and con- continue to play like that in, in every conference game this season. Well, I'll tell you, they did a good job offensively, but they ratcheted it up on defense as well. Jamal Mashburn Jr., Jalen House, though, those guys, they, they usually put up double-digit points. They only scored 19 total between the two of the guys, and they're the leading scorers for the Lobos. How fun was it to watch that defense on those two special scorers? No, it was great. I think UNLV's building off that strong defensive game they had from San Diego State. Uh, Coach Kruger was really proud of how the guys put up a fight against the Aztecs, really limiting the Aztecs. Um, and so uh, it's great to see them continue to build that that defensive uh, grind. And and that's that's really what Coach Kruger wanted to build his new his new culture, his new team, totally on defense. Uh, and if they continue to play like that, I mean, they can, you know, continue to win. Right. Absolutely. We're talking right now at Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Now the Rebels are 1-1 one one in conference play, so this is when it all matters. This is when it all counts. This is what they've tried to build up throughout the course of the season. They've had some stops. They've had some goes. But this is what it's all about. Coming up on Friday, Fresno State. What are your expectations? What do you think that you'll see from, uh, from the running Rebels on Friday night? Well, I think it'll be great that they can have a little bit of normalcy back in their life this week. I know last week's practice, uh, Coach Kruger said it was hard to concentrate on, you know, scouts and, and game planning and getting ready for New Mexico. Um, he, he was saying, you know, the focus wasn't totally there. And honestly, he said he was a little nervous going into last night's game because he just wasn't sure how the guys were going to play. So, uh, getting ready for an 11 and four Fresno State team, um, who have had games postponed this season. Uh, so they're still, you know, everyone in the Mountain West kind of dealing with COVID-19 right now. Uh, they just beat San Jose State 79 to 59. So they have another tough task on Friday. And I think Coach Kruger will be excited just to get his guys back on schedule this week, back in practice, get their routine, uh, back in order. I know Coach Kruger stresses how important that is to get his guys back in, in in their groove and everything. So, uh, man, if they can put up another dominant game like last night, you know, the running Rebels can get rolling. So that's exciting. Yeah, so let's just say hypothetically they do beat Fresno State, and you just said how the guys were bored, you know, like, you know, they really just wanted to get out and play. So maybe if they, like, this short window can help, do you think that maybe that there's something to that, that the guys don't worry about practicing and it's just game after game after game that they can get into a better rhythm? I think so. I think these guys have been hungry to play two games a week at least. I mean, three games now with, with games being postponed and rescheduled. Uh, Coach Kruger has talked to me about he just wants his guys to be back in live action more. They've only been playing one game a week for the past month. So I know that's, that can kind of be challenging to get your body in a groove and, and get your, your team in a groove. So hopefully being back playing two times a week now, 
Uh, they're playing Air Force next week. They got that game rescheduled. So they're facing San Diego State and Air Force next week. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they can get into their groove and, and start finding a rhythm and, and keep this thing rolling. What basically DeMond just asked you is can – can the running rebels get uh, build up some kind of momentum? That's what he was really asking. You know, that's, no, that's not what I was asking. That was absolutely what he wanted to know. <laughs> he 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 low key wants to talk about momentum without acknowledging that momentum's a real thing. It's not a real thing. <laughs> Unbelievable. We're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox Five Sports. You can find her on Twitter at Paloma Villacana. I did want to ask you about uh, Eric. Excuse me. Eric Harper, right? Yes, Eric <laughs> man, Harper. I, yes, I, Eric Harper. I had my own notes, and I, and I couldn't read my own writing. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he, he took over as the AD today. Officially, he had his introductory press conference. I know you were there. What were your, uh, what were your impressions of what you heard from him, and what do you think his, uh, you know, his next line of what he has to get done and accomplished uh, over there at UNLV? Yeah, well, he's been with the program for nine years now. So he's been a Las Vegas local here in our community with the university. Uh, he's been the interim athletics mm-hmm. director since August. Um, and I've traveled with him with football and basketball. And uh, to me, just seeing him interact with Coach Arroyo and Coach Kruger, uh, he seems to have a really good relationship with everyone. Um, he was incredibly emotional today. So it shows his passion, his love for, for this community. Um, you know, it's not an outside hire. It's not someone random. It's not someone uh, that people don't know. So uh, to see a packed room of the entire university coming out to see him being named the athletic director was really special today. And then to see him tear up at the podium and, you know, say how thankful he was to, to finally be in this position, it shows that he does really care and he's incredibly passionate um, and, you know, when he was talking about the future of UNLV, he just wants to continue to build the brand, build the programs up. He wants to see more fans at their games. He wants to build better relationships with the professional sports teams out here in Vegas and continue to have UNLV be involved with the Raiders, the Golden Knights, the Aces, the Lights, you know, all the pro teams out here. Uh, and, yeah, he's, he's going to try to continue to build – uh, build up UNLV, and he said that he saw a video back from 2012 of uh, fans getting ready for a Run and Rebels game back in 2012, and he just said the atmosphere and, and, and you know the passion of UNLV was was so crazy in that video. So that's what he wants to bring back to UNLV is that passion, that pride, and and the community coming out to the games. Yeah, Paloma, do you think that, because the past athletic director, it was the goal was, hey, we want to make UNLV a Power 5 school. Do you think that there's any pressure on Eric Harper here to make UNLV a Power 5 school? He, he didn't really dive into that today, but there's always the conversation of that, especially where we're located. Um, you know, the facilities that UNLV now has with Allegiant Stadium and the Fertitta Football Complex and the Raiders being here, you know, the Golden Knights, that all plays a huge part in continuing to to improve the the athletics at UNLV. And like we've seen with Coach Arroyo and him continuing to recruit, you know, record-breaking classes, I mean, I, I think it, it, it's, it's something that down the road, I think, they, um, I know Coach Kruger is, you know, brought in a lot of Power Five athletes to his program. So, um, you know, there's 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 definitely light for that, and I could see I could see Eric Harper as uh, putting that as one of his main goals when he when he takes takes 
his new position. How, how important was it? I mean, he is UNLV through and through. I mean, family, his wife, you know, kids, everyone. I mean, they mm-hmm. are running Rebels through and through. How important was that uh, not only to him but to the university as they d- decided to make that decision to make him the full-time athletic director? Yeah, President Whitfield said that, you know, him being a part of the community, being a part of UNLV, being a part of Las Vegas, uh, his connection to the community, um, how much impact he's had at UNLV, his family being here in Las Vegas, you know, that played a huge role in, in, in hiring him. Uh, they did a national search uh, for for his position. And, um, you know, I talked to him about, you know, being the interim athletics director, you know, how did that help him prepare to where he is today? And he just said it's it's the, the love and the passion that he saw from the community and and, and him being just a local. I mean, he's a local here in Las Vegas. So that plays a huge part in what he's invested in the community, what changes he wants to make at UNLV, and him living here, being here, you know, UNLV through and through. I think that plays a huge part in his decisions moving forward. No doubt about it. Talking right now with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. Before we let you go, I wanted to get your opinion. What you saw Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium, that <laughs> roller coaster affair between the Raiders and the Chargers uh, to wrap up the regular season. What were your thoughts on what you saw? Yeah, I mean, I was like, let's go. Let's like, oh my gosh. I mean, I think we all aged. Everyone <laughs> across the country, not just Vegas, but right. everyone watching that game across the country was just staring at their TV screen like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but man, the Chargers taking that timeout. I was like, it's done. It's over. Like this game's <laughs> over. Like kick the field goal, go to the playoffs. Like it's over. So that was a wild, it was wild. I mean, I was like, is this happening? Is this happening? Is this really happening? Right. Like anxiety at an all time high. And at the same time, I'm like, come on, just finish this game. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the only one, Paloma. You weren't the only one. Yeah. We we're sitting in the press box like, man, it's getting later and later. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a late night tonight. But what would you think about the next For night sure. then, the, the national championship game, Georgia tops Alabama? What would you think about that? Ooh, that was wild, too. You know, when I woke up on Monday, I was low-key like, am I going to watch the national championship tonight? Like, I don't even think I have it in me to sit down and watch the natty because – I was so exhausted from, you know, the Raiders game. Right. That was wild. I mean, credit, you know, Georgia's defense, you know, going off all season and, you know, hats off to Kirby Smart. And, you know, it was it was fun covering Alabama and Georgia and doing that whole SEC trail. So I know how wild and crazy the SEC fans are, especially Alabama fans. So, um, no, it was, it was another crazy game as well. <laughs> so it was just awesome to see Georgia, uh, you know, win their first national championship since 1980 and, you know, um, I don't know. I, I'm a Nick Saban fan. I'm a big Roadside fan. So Me too. I low key, I low key was a little sad. Like I, I'm not like cheering for Georgia, but like, you know. But it's great to see them win. No, it's fun. It, it was fun, and and uh, obviously Georgia was the better team. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm a I'm a Nick Saban guy. I like to see Alabama win <laughs> as well. So uh, I was I was a little bummed out, but at the same time realized how good of a game that really was. And uh, we got treated to two back to back great games: Sunday night yeah. football and the national championship the very next night. Well, before I let you go, what do you got coming out in the Reb Zone that we need to be on the lookout for? Man, so Red Zone, along like everything in the world right now, is definitely changing because of COVID-19. Right. Um, you know, we're trying to unfortunately do a lot of things on Zoom right now because mm. it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, and hey, shout out to all the parents that are dealing with Zoom and their kids yes. and school and all of that right now. Like, shout out to y'all. 
Um, you know, just kind of changing my workflow with, with Zoom and working from home. And, you know, now I'll be interviewing coach, you know, on Zoom for the time being just to be safe. Uh, so, ugh, man, like, I'm bummed. <laughs> I hear whatever you. Whatever we got to do, whatever we got to do to stay safe and, you know, stay healthy, especially since, you know, the whole run in Rebels were dealing with COVID. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, Reb Zone's still going. We're still going to have player interviews. I'm still going to be talking to coach. We're still going over the games. You know, we'll still be traveling with the run in Rebels this season. So there are away games and everything. So it's just going to look a little different. But, I mean, I'm still going to be, you know, producing the same work, the same content. And uh, it'll it'll still be fun. Yeah, and you'll still do it at a high level because that's just what you do. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we're not mad at you at all. Fantastic stuff <laughs> as always, Paloma. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, see you guys. Bye. All right, there she goes, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. And that's real. That's real. I mean, we just all have to adjust and adapt. You know, we were going and meeting with the Raiders. Uh, we are doing, you know, coaches' interviews and players' interviews at the actual facility. Now everything is by way of Zoom. And uh, she said it, man. It sucks, but that's what you got to do to be safe, and you can't blame anyone for that. 3.45 is the time. Many thanks to Paloma for joining us there. We'll come back. We'll close out the show just like that. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Hall of Famer Tim Brown, and you listen to Raider Nation 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 3.50 is the time. Just got a couple more minutes left in today's show. I don't know where all the time goes, but it sure flies by. Vinny Boston, your Lincoln Kennedy coming up next in the huddle, holding it down from 4 to 6 p.m. Got a lot of good stuff to get to, but let's go out to the Raider Nation. Listen to the line real quick, fast, in a hurry at 702-365-9200. Talk to our guy, Raider Bull. What's on your mind, my man? First time calling, Q. Nice. Love, love New booty. Show. Listen to it all the time. Hey, listen, the reason why the Raiders will win on Saturday is because they've learned how to win ugly, win okay. ugly football games. There you go. And, uh, and they can go 20-30 and get down dirty just with, with the best of them. <laughs> also, also, as long as we have Carlson in his foot, he's money. There you go. But that ain't the reason why I called. Okay. The reason why I called because you brought up Hagenberger Road. And see, I live in Texas, but I was raised in Oakland. Nice. Man, I'm, I got to think about 98 New and uh, 73rd. And yeah. <laughs> the Shady 80s? You going back to the Shady 80s? <laughs> all down by these big dragons? You, what you talking about? Hey, man, man, I know it all, brother. I'm down there with you. East 14th, let's go. Baby boy, baby boy. <laughs> Shout out All to right. Sealy's Liquor out there, man. Go to Sealy's Liquor Store. <laughs> Enjoy you, man. I appreciate you. That's my guy right there, Raider Bull. Hey, man, let's not start talking about East Oakland because I'll start going off, man. Hey, me and my boy Corey, that was our stomping grounds, man. We used to go to the taco truck. No joke. I'll tell you a quick story before we wrap up the man, show. you love some tacos. No, hey, man, we were at the taco truck. That's what you got to do, man. We're right there on East 14th, and me and Corey are at the, we were at the, t- at the truck. And dude run up on us, right? It's late night, so dude run up on us and asked Corey something. And, and I didn't even hear him at first. And so I would have probably got caught slipping, but Corey got my back. Dude, Corey said, what'd you say? And he said something about, like, he had, we had to either give him some money or something or he was going to, you know, he was going to jack us, right? Man, Corey popped that dude in the face and we took off running. <laughs> <laughs> we took off running. No joke. No joke. <laughs> 
I ain't never told this story really either. Oh, man. We took off running, and we were good. We went two different ways. Why Corey run through a fence? He ran through the fence because he's a big he's dude. He's a big dude. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Ran, he didn't, you know, like you jump fences. Corey was like, the hell with jumping a fence. I'm running through the fence. He went smooth through it. Straight up. Funny stuff. That happened at a uh, at a taco truck right there on East 14. Good times. But that was our stomping grounds. Denny's, we used to go to Denny's right behind the Coliseum. You know, I'm not going to lie, that dude must have been having a bad night. Nobody moved. <laughs> well, it, wasn't, it was just like, you could tell that he was really like, he was more bark than he was bite. You could kind of tell. You know what I mean? But he had a little something. Get up smooth. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could, you, could tell that, you could tell that he really wasn't about that life. And he probably thought that, oh, look at this little skinny dude and this fat dude. You know what I mean? Because that's what it was. I mean, it's just, you know, me and Corey. And Corey looked at that dude, popped him in the face. It was a wrap, man. It was done. Dang, he wasn't supposed to hit me. <laughs> you don't know if he's Debo or Ezel. <laughs> so we didn't take no chances, right? He probably was more Ezel than he was Debo, but Corey wasn't taking no chances. So he popped him and we ran. That's just how you do. That's what you do. But, yeah, shout out to my guy, Raider Bull, right there. I just went through the text line. It's just like, all right, let's see if we can finish out with a good text about myth. And then I, I saw one about um, what you're not supposed to do before a fight. And it's just like, man. What, talk? No. <laughs> what? Seventy uh, first and Hagenberger, what worst reefer in the world? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't know that, but that's funny. That's a great text. Seventy first and Hagenberger, worst reefer in the world. My boy uh, Corey's mom used to live in the shady eighties over there uh, in East Oakland, and uh, there's anyway. There's another story behind that, but I'm gonna leave that alone. Uh, Mailman Raider hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line. The Raiders will win because Josh Jacobs ran for hundred plus twenty, hundred twenty plus yards and two touchdowns. With the cold weather being a factor, I think the game will be Josh versus Joe. And the Raiders' D, D has done a great job keying in on opposing teams' uh, top threats. So there you go. I like that. Good stuff, Mailman Raider. Thank you to everyone who hit us up. We had like 45 text messages, no joke, and we probably only got to about 30 of them. But thank you so much for uh, all the feedback on the Salmon Ash text line and the phone line as well. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor, Lincoln Kennedy are going to come on in here. They're going to ride that momentum for the next two hours that DeMond doesn't believe is a real thing. I still don't understand that, Damon. How do you not believe momentum is a thing? Like, Vinny knows that there's momentum. The show is rolling. The wheels are rolling right now. No momentum's going to go into the next hour and just keep the party going. Damon don't care. <laughs> Vinny's got a lot coming up next. Damon didn't turn his mic on, so I didn't even get to talk to him, so it's all good. But him and uh, Lincoln Kennedy are going to hold it down, and uh, we'll be back here tomorrow at 2 o'clock as we are on the daily. So that's all for me. I'm going to take this momentum, get up out the door. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. I'll holler.